Hi, this is David. I bet you've heard the saying that food is medicine. But the thing is, we also want our food to be quick and tasty. Factor has the solution. Their delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. They deliver prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including Kato, Calorie Smart, Vegan and Veggie, and more. Plus, there's extra things to enjoy. They have over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, like snacks and smoothies, that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. You'll be glad to hear that Factor is affordable. I've done the math. and Factor meals are less expensive than takeout. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash living50 and use code living50 to get 50% off. That's code living50 at factormeals.com slash living50 to get 50% off. Thank you. Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's reading was edited and adapted from A Way of Life, a 1913 address to the students of Yale University, delivered by William Osler, a founding professor of Johns Hopkins Hospital. Every person has a philosophy of life in thought in word or in deed, one that has been worked out in themselves unconsciously. Among the very best, they may not know of its existence. With the very worst, they may pride themselves as some kind of paragon. As this philosophy grows with our growth through adulthood, it cannot be taught to the young in formal lectures. Why then should I trouble you? because I have a message that may be helpful. It is not philosophical, nor is it strictly moral or religious, and yet in a way it is all three. It is the oldest and the freshest, the simplest and the most useful, so simple that some of you may turn away disappointed. My message is but a word, a way an expression of the experience of a plain man whose life has never been worried by any philosophy higher than that of a farmer or shepherd. I simply wish to point out a path in which the wayfaring soul, though a fool, cannot err, not a system to be worked out painfully, only to be discarded, not a formal scheme, simply a habit as easy or as hard to adopt as any other habit, good or bad. For life is a habit, a succession of actions that become more or less automatic. This great truth, which lies at the basis of all actions, muscular or mental, is the keystone of the teaching of Aristotle whom the formation of habits was the basis of moral excellence. 
He writes, In a word, habits of any kind are the result of actions of the same kind. And so what we have to do is to give a certain character to these particular actions. Lift a seven-month-old baby to their feet and see them tumble on their nose. Do the same at twelve months and they walk. At two years, they run. The muscles and the nervous system have acquired the habit. One trial after another, one failure after another, has given the child power. We can deliberately train parts of our body to perform complicated actions with unerring accuracy. For example, watch the musician playing a difficult piece. Their nimble fingers move over the instrument, as if automatically, but in truth, it is the gradual acquisition of a power and skill, achieved by long practice and at the expense of many mistakes. This same great law reaches through our mental and moral states. Character, which partakes of both, is in Plutarch's words, long-standing habit. Now, the way of life that I am promoting is also a habit, one to be acquired gradually by long and steady repetition. It is the practice of living for the day only for the day's work alone, keeping your life in day-tight compartments. Ah, I hear you say, that is an easy thing to say, but not so much to do. Perhaps, but I have come to this philosophy not simply intellectually, but through my own lived experience. As a man who has filled chairs in four universities, has written a successful book and has been asked to lecture at Yale, I am thought by many to have brains of a special quality. However, a few of my intimate friends really know the truth about me, and that my quote brains are of a most mediocre character. But what about your professorships and accomplishments, you ask? Well, those are just habits a way of life, an outcome of the day's work, the vital importance of which I wish to impress upon you with all the force at my command. Dr. Johnson once remarked that people's lives are influenced not by an ascendant planet, a predominating personality, but by the first book which they read, some early conversation which they have heard or some accident which excited their passion and enthusiasm. In my case, this occurred in the summer of 1871, when I was attending medical school in Montreal. Much worried about the future, I picked up a volume of Carlyle, and on the page I opened, there was this familiar sentence. Our main business is not to see what lies dimly at the distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. Commonplace sentiment enough, but it hit home and stuck, and was the starting point of a habit that has enabled me to utilize to the full the single talent entrusted to me.
as workers in the vineyard of life, we are hired by the day. Only for this day are we to ask for our daily bread, and we are expressly bidden to take no thought for the morrow. To the modern world, these commands may seem a little mystical or new agey, a stimuli to aspiration, not to action. However, I am prepared to urge the literal acceptance of this advice as a way of life, a habit, a strong call to meet the demands of the day. I remember once standing on the bridge of a great ocean liner, plowing through the sea at twenty-five knots. She is alive, said the captain, in every plate, a huge monster with brain and nerves, an immense stomach, a wonderful heart and lungs, and a splendid system of locomotion. Just at that moment a signal sounded, and all over the ship the watertight compartments were closed. That is our chief factor for safety, continued the captain, watertight compartments. Now, each one of you is a much more marvelous creation than that great ocean liner, bound on a much longer voyage. What I urge is that you so learn to control your machinery as to live with daytight compartments as the most certain way to ensure safety on your voyage. Get on the bridge and see that at least the great bulkheads are in working order. Touch a button and hear, at every level of your life, the iron doors shutting out the past, the dead yesterdays. Touch another and close off, with a metal curtain, the future, the unborn tomorrows. Then you are safe, safe for today. Shut off the past, let the dead past bury its dead. So easy to say, so hard to do, I know. The past haunts us like a shadow. To disregard it is not easy. Those blue eyes of your grandmother, that weak chin of your grandfather, have mental and moral counterparts in your makeup. Generations of ancestors, brooding over the mysteries and tragedies of life, may have made you morbidly sensitive, but you can shut out the yesterdays with a little conscious effort. Yes, they are there all right, working daily in us, but so are our livers and our stomachs, and the past in its unconscious action on our lives should bother us as little as they do. The petty annoyances the real and fancied slights, the trivial mistakes, the disappointments, the sins, the sorrows, even the joys, bury them deep in the oblivion of each night. Ah, I hear you say, but it is just then that to so many of us the ghosts of the past appear and pry open the eyelids, each one presenting a sin a sorrow, a deep regret. I understand. I truly do. 
so is a vaccine against all the morbid thoughts left in your system by the infections of yesterday, I offer a way of life. As George Herbert says, undress your soul at night, not by self-examination, but by shedding, as you do your garments, the daily sins, whether of omission or of commission, and you will wake up a free soul with a new life. To look back, except on rare occasions for stock-taking, is to risk the fate of Lot's wife. Many a person is handicapped by a cursed combination of retro and introspection. The mistakes of yesterday, paralyzing the efforts of today. The worries of the past, hugged to their destruction. And the worm regret, allowed to canker the very heart of their life. However, to die daily, after the manner of St. Paul, ensures the resurrection of a new person, a new woman or man, who makes each day the pinnacle of a life. The load of tomorrow, added to that of yesterday, carried today, makes the strongest person falter. Shut off the future as tightly as the past, Waste no energy on fanciful dreams or visions. No castles in the air, with which, as the old song so truly says, hearts are broken and heads are turned. Who can tell what a day may bring forth? Though its uncertainty is a proverb, a person may carry its secret in the palm of their hand. Make a pilgrimage to Hades with Ulysses. Draw the magic circle. Perform the rites. And then ask Tiresias the question. I have had the answer from his own lips. The future is today. There is no tomorrow. The day of our salvation is now. The life of the present. Lived earnestly, intently without a forward-looking thought. It is indeed our only insurance for the future. Let the limit of your horizon be a 24-hour circle. Look heavenward if you wish, but never to the horizon, for that way danger lies. Truth is not there. Happiness is not there. Certainty is not there. It is rather the falsehoods, the frauds, the quackeries, which have deceived each generation, that all beckon from the horizon, and lure those who are not content to look for the truth and happiness, that tumble out today at their feet.